join me in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 11. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so very much for, for this time together. Lord, thank you for uh, this message that you've put upon my heart, Lord. Thank you for um, giving us the, this physical location and the, the digital connection, Lord, for us to be able to meet and to gather and to, to learn more about the message and, and the plans that you have for our lives, Lord, and, and uh, what it means to be a Christian. Lord, I just ask that you uh, superintend the service. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So, Acts 11. So, we've been uh, powering through, and uh, so Acts eleven nineteen is where we get to start today. So, the church in Antioch. Can you, uh, hold on. So, so, what do we know so far? So, some little background. Um, Acts eleven nineteen picks up from where Acts 8, 4 leaves off. So one of, the, one of the commentaries that I read is that Acts 8, 5 to Acts eleven eighteen really should be in parentheses, <laughs> right? Like, like he's telling a story, and then all of a sudden there's this huge chunk of extra information, and then he's going to jump back into the story again. So go back and look at Acts chapter 8 real quick and verse 4. Kind of primes where we're at today. Right? So I'm going to start at, at, uh, at uh, 7.59, right? While they were there stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold these sins against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, the great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except, except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So we're going to pick up from right where that takes off. But that parentheses chunk was really critical because the Saul here is not the same Saul that we're going to talk about today. So that the rest of, of uh, 8 and 9 and 10 is critical to where we jump to today. But today we're going to jump in at 11, 19. So... Kathleen, can you put up the, the graphic? All right. Well, this turned out better than I thought it was going to be on, on screen. Okay. So, notice the numbers. Do you guys see the numbers? I'll let you find all of them. There's nine of them. All right. So, number one is in Cyprus. Number two is in Cyrene. Over in the far left-hand corner. See it? We don't have the digital pointer up here, do we? Okay. 
Yeah, so, so you're going to go all over the place, right? Okay, hold on. I'm... I'm not the great Bible historian like Joe is. So when it lists all these places, I'm like, like where are these? Where would these have been? So this, when I found this graphic, it was really helpful for me. All right, so remember from 8.4, they said they were scattered. And then as you're going to hear like in the very beginning of 18, they're scattered. So where did they go when they scattered? So where was Stephen stoned at? Jerusalem. Right here. And where did they go? They went everywhere. Right? Everybody but the apostles took off. So, uh, who, who was there during the stoning? Saul. Right? So Saul was there giving approval to his death. Where did they go? So they went to, um, to Cyrus. Or Cyprus, right? They went to, um, uh, okay, how do you say it? F- no, f- uh, Phoenicia? Okay, so it was right here, right? And then they went to Cyrene, which is right here, right? And to Antioch. So this right here is going to be where we're going to talk a lot about today. So, Antioch. To Jerusalem, this track right here is roughly 300 miles. Okay? So, we're going to talk about a bunch of different places, but one of these great uh, commentaries that I read was, was this. If Jerusalem was all about religion, Rome was all about the power. Alexandria was all about the intellect Athens was all about the philosophy. Antioch would have been all about the business and immorality. So it kind of puts it in perspective of what these Greek towns would have been. Okay? So I broke today's sermon into three chunks. The scattered sowers, encouragement and nourishment, and then the fruits of giving. So... Let's read 19 through 21 real quick. Now those days have been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen, traveled to, uh, I always screw this up, Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Okay, so here we go. So Cyprus, Cyrene, and up to Antioch. 
Okay, they, they also mention this one right here. Okay, so the Greek word scattered actually comes, is where we get the word sowing from, as in to sow seeds. So three steps in gardening, right? I'm not a great gardener, right? I, I love my wife and she likes to garden, but I don't garden, right? But, but the three factors that I see in gardening is that there's, of growing plants, is that you first have to have fertile ground, right? So you have to, you, have to, you, you plant in fertile ground, you grow or you fertilize, and then you harvest, right? So you plant the seeds, then you, you take care of them, they grow, and then you harvest that. So that's going to be key in, in today's message because you're going to see both the scattering, the planting, and then what they will do to harvest. So those persecuted would have been Jewish, Right? So, so in the very beginning it says, Now those who had been scattered from the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled uh, to Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Right? So those would have been Jewish men who were scattered and, and fearful of what was going on because they just saw Stephen stand up to Sanhedrin and say, No, you're wrong. And they said, All right, well, we're going to kill you. So, they would have been preaching only to the Jewish culture. Because remember, prior to 10 and early chapter 11, Jews would have only associated with Jews. So that's the reasoning why that piece is in parentheses is really going to be critical. So based on their actions from 11, 1 through 18, now it is a blessing to also talk to the Gentiles. So you see in the next sentence, it says, Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and to begin to speak to Greeks also, telling them of the good news about the Lord. So what was the, what was the end result? The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So blessed by the actions of those men who had gone, right, you now have Hellenistic, Hellenistic Jews, or Hellenistic Greeks, right, now hearing the word and coming to the Lord. The term speaking here, okay, so in uh, verse 20, and began to speak to Greeks, the term speaking was more conversational. Right? This isn't a big sermon with bullet points and cool graphics. This is, right, they were just having conversations, probably in the shops in the, in the community, talking to these Greeks, letting them know who Jesus was. That, that reassures me because it, like, you can just go and have conversations about God. It doesn't have to be perfect. And then in verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them. Have you ever had the Lord's hand with you? It makes what you're doing a whole lot easier. When, when you don't have the Lord's hand with you, you going and speaking to, to Greeks in the land of business and immorality would have been a lot harder and, and probably would not have seen the harvest that they did. But the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So the next section I title is called Encouragement and Nourishment. If 
Find verse 22 with me. News of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. When Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul went with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians for the first time in Antioch. So when it says that he was there for a year with Saul, I started thinking, all right, so like, how long historically is this couple of paragraphs? And it's several years long in this one small chunk. Right? Like, like, I forget that as I'm going through and reading the Bible. Like you, you read through and you think that, oh, well, they scattered and then they talked to him and he went and found his buddy. And right? like, it, It's three paragraphs. You'd think that it took me 30 seconds to read it. That's probably 30 seconds worth of time. No, this is multiple years worth of information. So Jerusalem had heard good stuff, so they sent Barnabas. So that sending of Barnabas uh, in Acts 22 would have been in roughly 42 A.D. Okay? So, um, so Jerusalem had heard the good stuff. And, and, and how does that get to Jerusalem? Right? Well, good news spreads fast. And then who would you go and send from Jerusalem to Antioch to go hear this, see if this is right? We'll go, go flip back to Acts 4. Find verse 36. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encourager, sold a field he owned and brought, it, brought the money to the apostles' feet. So here's a guy from Cyprus who's living in Jerusalem who probably has been to Antioch. Right? So we're going to go send this guy. And what do you need to do with new believers? Baptize them. Great. So, so, right, so you need to encourage them. Right, so when we talk about the the uh, sower, right, that the seeds fall to the hard ground and the f- seeds fall on the cracks and all that, and like that, that some of the plants grow quickly, but they're burnt by the the harsh weather, and that's because they were not encouraged, right? So, like, we're gonna send from Jerusalem, like, we're gonna go check to see if this is really true. What what's going on is it really true happened up here in Antioch, and if it is, those need to be encouraged. So, who should we send? Let's send the encourager. So they send Barnabas. Off he goes. Right. So the two things that we knew about Barnabas before we get to chapter 11 was that he was an encourager and that he uh, sold his property to give to the apostles without prompting. It wasn't like, well, we need to raise money. It was like, you know what? Like, like I have something. I don't, I don't like this needs to go to God. Here's the money. So, so they're going to go check to see if what's going on is good. And if so, 
they're then going to encourage him and, and build that up. So what's the end result when Barnabas goes? News of this reaches the, ear, the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the evidence of grace of God, and he was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. I wonder what that would have looked like. Right? I wonder what that would have looked like. What, what did he see when he saw the grace of God and great numbers of people coming to the Lord? Right? Fellowship, singing, happy. Right? In, in a town of business and immorality. Antioch would have been the hub of everything going on. Joe just said crossroad roads. One of the commentaries that I said that I read talked about the fact that, um, man, if you went to uh, um, if you went went to a large town and you just hung out there for a while, basically you would see everybody in that town because of the the, the transition and passing around. Like every language known to man would have been spoken in Antioch. Right? Everybody would have gone through there. So, talk about fertile ground. You had lots of people who needed to know and hear the word of Jesus and what was going on recently. So, Barnabas realizes that the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So, what does he do? So, News reaches the ears of the church, right? And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and he saw the evidence of God's grace, he was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when they found him, he brought him to Antioch. All right, so they're in Antioch. They go up to Tarsus, and how do they know that Paul's in Tarsus? One, that's Paul's hometown. But remember that that in the parentheses, right between eight five and eleven eighteen, that Paul was studying, he was going and talking, and then Paul's getting persecuted. So the apostles rush him out of where he was at, and where did they go? Stick him in Tarsus. They took him home. They said, "Hang out here." So Barnabas knows where he's at, and he says, hey, the harvest is huge here in Antioch, but I'm going to need someone to help me out. So the encourager needs help. So who does he go find? He goes and finds Paul, or Saul, same guy, and brings him to Antioch. That would have occurred at roughly uh, 43 AD. So Acts 25 is at 43 AD goes to get Saul in Tarsus. The same guy, let's see, seven years earlier was at the stoning of Stephen. Stephen's stoning happens roughly between 34 and 36. There were a couple different um, uh, sites here that I was looking at where Stephen was stoned by the Sanhedrin. And Paul's standing there being witness to this condoning his actions. And seven years later, he's now here in Antioch going to help start this, this huge church that we belong to now. 
So Saul and, and Paul be, work in Antioch for a year. And they are first called Christians in Antioch. Who calls them Christians? Right? The Christians don't call themselves Christians. The unsaved called them Christians. And at first it was termed as like a nickname or kind of derogatory. Right? So remember that Christ in Greek means what? Messiah, anointed one, king. Right? So when you go and put the I-A-N ending, right? Americans, Canadians, Mexicans, right? the I-A-N-S ending means party of. Right? A part of, the people grouping of. So what the unsaved were calling these individuals were Messiah people or Messiah followers or Christians. Well, what else have they been called so far in Acts? In Acts 1, they were called disciples, Acts 1.15. Acts 5.14, they were called the believers. Acts 5.32, they were called the witnesses. Acts 6.3, they were called brothers. Acts 9.2, they were called followers of the way. Acts 9.13, they were called the saints. And then later on, we're going to hear Acts 24, they're going to be called the Nazarenes. But out of all of those terms, none of those were really derogatory, but the word Christians kind of was, from the, the unsaved, was kind of a derogatory nickname for them. And yet, look at how well it is stuck. So, Barnabas and Saul are working here for a year. Think about the harvest that is going on based off of the sowing that started from the stoning of Stephen. Seven years ago, all of a sudden, this man gets stoned and, and everybody takes off. And in doing so, they bring that love of Christ with them and share it with everybody they meet as they are spreading all the way out. Like you could put like a, a bullseye with Jerusalem being right here, the center, and this ripple effect, everybody going out. And the only way that that was ever going to spread was because the Jews were persecuted, because the followers were, were afraid to stay here in Jerusalem where the temple was at. So everybody's going to go take off, which is how Christianity spreads up to Antioch, Tarsus, Cyprus, Cyrene. Everybody had to take off. So turn with me to verse 27. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. They, this they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So the Bible does a great job of dating and, and creating like focal points where you can go and measure. So Agabus shows up through the Spirit, predicts that there's going to be a great famine, and this was during the time of Claudius. So 
Did a famine happen during the, the reign of Claudius? Actually, several of them did. The first famine occurred in 41 to 42 AD. So is that the one that they are talking about? No, because remember that verses um, 25 occurs in 43 AD. So there's another famine. There was a famine. The second famine in Claudius' reign went from 45 to 46 AD. So here you are that Agapus predicts a famine that is two years out through the Holy Spirit. Right? Holy Spirit can do all sorts of amazing things. That's not shocking. But here's the shocking piece. Here you have the Christians, disciples, by their own ability, took up a collection to send to Jerusalem. Here in Antioch, they're going to go and collect money and bring it to Jerusalem here. But who's here? The Gentiles. The Gentiles are the ones bringing money to the Jews. That's the part that was like, oh, wait. Like, to these people that they probably had never met, because would have it been fun to go and hang out in Jerusalem if you were Greek? Right? So, so there are probably not a whole lot of travelers coming from Antioch to Jerusalem to go worship at the temple, there, right? Because that, that wasn't allowed for the Greeks. So here you have a famine that has not yet happened, but is going to be predicted by the Holy Spirit, and the Gentiles collecting money to be taken to the Jews in Jerusalem. That's a Holy Spirit movement if I haven't seen one. Right? That, that is the love of Christ here, new believers, hearing a problem and solving it. So, what did we learn from, from this chunk? It's, it's about, if you figure that 19 really starts from 8-4, and 8-4 happens in 34 to 36 A.D., and the famine occurs in 45 A.D., so you're talking about 11-year span in a couple of paragraphs. Here's what I learned. God always has a plan. The same Saul at Stephen's stoning is now at the birthplace of Christianity and opening access to Gentiles. God's always got a plan. When you need encouragement, send for Barnabas. When you need help, send for Saul. I'm hoping that you have both a Saul and a Paul in your life. Right? But more importantly, I hope you have Barnabas. You need to have someone who's willing to encourage you to help you through your tough times. But you're also going to need someone who's going to help you walk through that. The third thing that I learned is that when the Holy Spirit prompts you to use the gifts or abilities, don't wait for a second invite. Act now. The solutions will come in God's time. Right? Agabus shows up, says, hey, there's going to be a famine. And they're like, yeah, you missed it. Like, it happened a couple years ago. Like, uh, there's another one coming. 
And they said, all right, let's get prepared. Let's go raise money and go and collect money and, and bring it down to, to Jerusalem. Doesn't say how, doesn't say how much, doesn't say how, like, you know, whether there was arguments over, like, how they were going to collect the funds. They just knew that they were going to need to go and support Jerusalem in this famine. So Antioch is coined the name Christian. But what does that name or title mean to you? Do you call yourself a Christian? Do others? Do others call you a Christian? Do do others know you in that sense? Good. Right, I think about my office, and I think that there's a lot of people who know I'm a Christian, but have I told everybody? Would I be willing to tell everybody? Do I just hope that my actions are aligned with that? Because that then became my next question I thought of. Do, do my actions that guide my life Monday through Saturday align with my actions on Sundays? Do my actions Monday through Saturday align with my actions on Sunday? <laughs> right? If, if they do, then, then one of Joe's quotes that I love is that preach the gospel daily, use words only when necessary. Right? If my life is, if I'm a Christian, I am one of Christ. I'm, I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christ people. Then what Christ came and did here on earth is what I should be doing here Monday through Saturday in my work, not just coming and preaching and singing and praising God here on Sunday. That needs to be who I am everywhere. That needs to be when I'm when I open the mail and I'm ticked off about a bill, or when uh, when the guy cuts me off in the you know as I'm driving, right? Or when when my son slides into third base and the guy calls him out and clearly he was safe, right? Like like I have to be the Christian everywhere, not just on Sunday. Your name is given to you by your parents. But your title is earned by your actions. I view my title as a Christian because I believe in Christ. One of the the verses up here, it says, says that that Barnabas... uh, he saw the grace of God, the evidence of grace of God, and he was glad and encouraged that they remain the true to the Lord with all of their hearts. The acronym GRACE is a, is a way for me to remember God's riches at Christ's expense. The blessings that I have day in, day out in my lifetime are because I believe in Christ. And what he did on the cross for me. That's how I'm blessed. That's, that's how I get to come and, and do the things that I do. And, and, 
And I need to make sure that that's who I am Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday. So here we are, Acts 11. And now the church is called the Christians. And that name kind of sticks. It continues on, and I know because that's what we call ourselves now. We don't, we don't call ourselves the, what was the list, the, the Nazarene or the followers of the way or the, the witnesses. Or, right? That name stuck. And I think it stuck because because if you believe in Christ, that he changes who you are and he changes what you are. And like the video showed today, like when you believe in Christ, it's no longer your life, but it's his and, he, and you're acting for him. So maybe that's what happened to Saul. Because the Saul in chapter 8, where he's condoning the death of Stephen, is not the Paul in chapter 11. And what's happened between the parentheses? That Saul had a, had a come-to-Jesus moment on the road to Damascus, and he changed his life. And because of that change, he's now helping spur on this movement here in Antioch, where people are coming to Christ in, like, in large numbers, hundreds of people, So clearly the harvest was ready. But you need both. You need an encourager. You need Barnabas. But you're also going to need help. You're going to need Saul. The next couple of chapters we're going to hear more of, of Acts turning to, to Peter, or to Paul, and, and seeing what he's doing. But one of my very favorite verses that I want to end on today comes from in a couple of chapters from here. I learned this verse through Awana. Acts 16.31 Believe in the Lord your God and you will be saved. You and your household. The believers went to Antioch to get away from the torment in Jerusalem because God had plans for those individuals in Antioch to hear the message. And in doing so, has created a movement called Christianity. You need someone encouraging you, Barnabas. You need people to help out with the harvest, Paul. But none of this takes place without the actions on the cross. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what I pick up from this chapter. It's neat that we have a title called Christians. But the only reason why that's a neat title is because we are followers of Christ. Thank you for everything that you do to encourage me on a daily basis. I hope that I can turn around and encourage you as well. Thank you for this chunk of the Bible. Because it reminds me of what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be getting out of our houses. We're supposed to be going and telling people about what Christ has done for us. 
I challenge you to find someone this week and tell them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for calling me a Christian. Thank you for this body of believers who loves you, Lord, who knows you. Lord, I just pray that you continue to send us out to do your will. Lord, it's time to get out of Jerusalem. Lord, it's time to head to Antioch. It's time for us to go to where people don't know you. Lord, and for us to be a beacon of your light. People should ask, wow, what do they have that I don't? Lord, and our answer is you. We have you. We have the life that you live in us, Lord, because of the Holy Spirit, Lord, and because of the actions you took on that cross. Lord, we just ask that you continue to be a work in our lives, Lord, and that our love for you can't be contained, Lord, and it just leaks out of us all over the place. That who we are at work and home, at the grocery store, Lord, that we are Christians. And that people see that, know that, and want to get curious about knowing you, Lord, and then you give us a harvest, Lord, and that we bring in the, the harvest for you. Lord, this happens on your time, not ours. But I just pray that we are ready. I pray that you use us when you are ready, when we need to have the interaction with the person who you've primed with, with other individuals, Lord. Lord, I just pray that, that the Barnabases of the world are coming through and encouraging these believers, Lord. We may be the Barnabas. We may be the encourager. Lord, we may be, we may be Saul. We may be the harvester. Lord, but either way, we're working for you, and I just pray that you continue to bless us. Lord, prepare us. Make it clear what our steps are, Lord, so that way we don't need a second or third or fourth invite. Lord, you've given us goals or, or, or gifts, Lord. I just pray that you give us opportunities to use those gifts on your behalf, gathering the harvest for you. Lord, I just pray that you, you give everyone someone this week to be a Christian to, to show how much we love you so that you are given the glory in our lives. Lord, we are who we are because we believe in you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this message you have put on my heart. Lord, thank you for everybody who is able to be here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.